0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode four hundred and fifty-eight. A conversation with Paul Galassi. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host Adam Chapman, and this is episode four hundred and fifty-eight. It's our conversation with Paul Galassi. Um, this is a, a really enjoyable episode. Paul uh, is most probably best well known for working on the uh, Master of Kung Fu book with. Uh, Doug Mensch, and uh, this was a a great conversation with Paul, just kind of going over his craft, uh, some of the elements that kind of informed his artwork, uh, his original inspirations, um, how he really does think in very much a movie director style in terms of how he visualizes blocking, uh, how he does his storytelling, etc. I got a lot of uh, great assistance uh, coming up with um, or at least preparing for this interview from the Marvel Masterworks Forum. I usually put out a call for questions when I have a new interview um, lining up, and when it came to Paul, I had a lot of people uh, jumping in. Um, in, in I just want to mention some of them in particular. Uh, the most help and the biggest shout out definitely goes to DJ Way, um, who not only helped me get in touch with Paul, but supplied uh, a fantastic list of questions that we kind of went through and definitely helped structure the interview. So, um, David, thank you so much for all of your assistance and help in, in setting this up. It was, you know, I could not have gotten this all together without you, so I really appreciate it. Um, also, uh, I want to thank uh, Noetta Katter, uh Faust33, um, Let's see who else submitted some questions. Um, Edu Lopez, um, uh, Dave Tone, um, let's see, and I think Alan Zexalbe, I'm not sure if that's, I'm I'm masquerading that, I know, Uh, Shotzi, um, let's see who else we got here. And I think that was mostly it. Uh, there was a lot of uh, people who submitted multiple questions. So I, I pr- again, I appreciate that very much. Uh, it definitely helped uh, to structure the interview. And I think you're uh, really going to enjoy it. It was a great conversation. We really got along well. Uh, Paul was just fantastic. He had some great stories to tell, great sense of humor. Um, probably one of my favorite guests, actually, I think we've had on the show. Just uh, very easy to talk to and uh, willing to, to kind of go deep and, and talk about uh, this stuff, even though it happened, you know, a lot of it, you know, over 30 years ago, Thirty to forty years ago, but he's still up for talking about it and talking about his collaborations with Doug. And it was uh, immensely enjoyable uh, to be on the other end of the line uh, talking with this this true legend of the industry. His artwork is is brilliant. Um, Master Kung Fu was was always at its height when he was on the book. So uh, I think you're really going to dig this episode. Uh, as always, you can email me at shenanigans at com. like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, upcoming episodes, we're going to have an episode probably in the next week or so uh, with on the Beauty and the Beast uh, remake or reimagining or live action retelling, whatever you want to call it. Um, We're kind of batting around whether or not we're going to do a Power Rangers episode the following week. Uh, We have, uh, in the future, we have David Banks, uh, who's uh, known as kind of the the godfather of binding. Um, We had a great chat uh, just last week, so at some point that episode's going to go up. Um, Probably a little bit delayed. Because of the upcoming movie episodes, we also have a conversation coming up in the next little while with Adam Glass and with uh, Eric Larson coming back on the show, amongst many others. Um, so there's some great content coming your way in the next few months, and I'm really excited to get all those episodes uh, up and, uh, and uh, available for everyone to listen. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode as uh, I sit down with Paul to discuss his career in comics. Thanks for joining us. Paul, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. How are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing real good, my friend. Hey, how about yourself
0: over there? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I was telling you off, mic that we had a, a huge run on questions from our listeners. They were really excited to have you on the show. Um, so uh, this is this is going to be a packed house. We're really going to pack in the questions here. Good. So let's Good. Uh, let's. I'm going to try
1: to pack in the answers if I can.
0: <laughs> let's uh, let's go back to your your humble beginnings. Um, who were your favorite comic artists growing up, and who influenced your own style most of all?
1: Well, I think the the latter question. Everybody, uh, I think, knows the answer to that one. That would be uh, Jim Storanko. But um, my mother used to work at what was called back in the day a drug store. <laughs> okay, it's like a Rexall, like a, you know, it's like um, whatever, any kind of you know, like whatever, any kind of Rite Aid or whatever we see today, right? And um, we, i repeated this story. In the past several times, so bear with me. Um, we had one car, and my dad would take my mother to work and then pick her up, take her in around 5 o'clock and pick her up at 10 o'clock. And I'd accompany my dad and my sister at times to to um, the drugstore, and I'd immediately hone in on the revolving comic book rack Back in but back in those days like Dennis the Menace. Oh yeah. And any kind of like Warner Brothers cartoon comic books they're out back then. And then as time progressed and I got older, my taste obviously would change. And I was like looking more towards anything with dinosaurs on there, right? <laughs> and uh like Turok. um and then subsequently Gold Key comics, which would cover movies at that time, like Gladiator movies and stuff like that. you uh, Monster movies. And then, it w- it wasn't until I spotted Sergeant Rock, done by Joe Hubert, that I went totally like postal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because uh, uh, kids in my era, we played Army. Cowboys and Indians Army. There were no video games and stuff like that back then, you know, back in the day. So, to see this kind of his style just grabbed me right away, and it was just, just uh, overwhelming. I just loved uh, his work tremendously, man.
0: So, when did you become uh, introduced to Starencos' art?
1: Now, now, as time went by, the Bond movies exploded, right? So, we're like uh, my friends and I were like early teens, maybe still in a twelve years old, thirteen, like you know, somewhere in that in that. Uh, age group when um, the first Bond movie uh, came out, and and let me tell you something, man. When they when that movie did come out, we ran. We didn't walk to the theater. We ran to that theater. <laughs> so I was like hooked on into Bond like immediately. So when, so subsequently, when as, as time went by, and I entered the, the comic book field. And they threw this title on me. I mean, I was ready for that. That's why we, we, uh, Doug, and Doug mentioned the same way. His background is similar. So we were ready to, um, uh, go down that path, you know, the super spy kind of like motif, mm-hmm. uh, element, you know, so it, it was, it was in the, uh, very early on.
0: To do, to jump way out of sequence, what was it like later on doing James Bond with, with Doug?
1: Oh, uh, that was like a uh, pie in the sky, man. That was like nuts. I mean, to actually, um, to get that character, forget about it. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun, man.
0: Was it a lot of pressure to kind of live up to, you know, something that had meant so much? You know, so by much. that time,
1: I was like really ready for it. Okay. Uh, There's no toys. I had, I had a lot of confidence with that thing. And, um, and, and I was really, truly ready for that thing. When that, when it was late, in my, that was like, what, 80-something, 80, 81, 82, something like that. So I was, you know, I was like, because um, I started in this business so young. I was like higher than 19, man, you know. And um, so I was in my early 20s, early mid 20s. I went to art, you know, when I was in art school, I went to art, I went to art, I went to, I attended the Art Institute of Pittsburgh on a scholarship uh, on, a, on a comic book that I submitted. You know, the, the students could uh, submit things and, and apply for a scholarship. And uh, and I got, I, I saved my parents a lot of dough. And uh, the the, 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 uh, the head of the school was a cartoonist himself, an aspiring cartoonist, but he ended up, uh, you know, head of this, this uh, art college. Um, and in fact, uh, Andy Warhol was one of the, uh, made, uh, one of the pride of that school back in the day, you know. Um, but I submitted a, a comic book that I drew on notebook paper, I colored it with colored pencil, Bert Crane, Secret Agent, a guy I made up, kind of like a secret agent guy. Yeah. And, uh, and I, 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 say my my parents were like 3K back in you know back then, so that was the beginning.
0: So you you were training from a young age to be ready for uh, for James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now, uh, I have a bunch of listener questions, as I said. Um, So our our friend uh, DJ Wei on the the Marvel Masterworks forum submitted the the most, and so his next question was uh, that Kung Fu was a new phenomenon when you first started out in comics, so he assumes it wasn't your burning ambition at the time to do a Kung Fu magazine. What would have been your ideal assignment when you were first starting out, and what did you think of Master of Kung Fu when it landed in your lap?
1: Well, you know, I was so, like, happy and thrilled to be contacted to uh, to, to uh, have a, a, you know, like marvel to and show any interest in me at all you know mm-hmm. um, I should probably let's go back in time first and let me let me, let me uh, lay out how I got into this field in the first place okay I was I was, I was like I said I was I, I was already attending the um, art Institute of Pittsburgh and uh, I was like t- about a year and a half in when I was, see I was I'm was, originally from Ohio, in, in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, home of the Warner Brothers, by the way. <laughs> um, and I was taking a bus back and forth on weekends to hang out with my family and my friends. And, and one time I was sitting on the bus, Next, to this young lady and we we start talking, and she says, "Well, what do you want to do with your career?" I said, "You know, I, I thought about like, perhaps getting into the comics field one day." She says, "Well, my boyfriend draws comics." I said, "What's his name?" She says, well, "His name is Val Meyrick. I said, "Val Mayrick? I don't know the name." I said, "Where does he live? New York?" She said, "No, he lives in, in Youngstown." I said, "Well, in Youngstown." And this is when I first found out what the the whole realm of freelancing really means. Mm-hmm. The definition. And so she hooked me up with his uh, contact info, and I met uh, Val a week later. And he was—I uh, met him at a dojo. He's a, he was a instructor. He was like a second degree black belt. And um, he told me that the guy that I want to talk to—if he want if you want to get now, they were, like I said, Val got like two years in. The guy I want to speak to was Dan Atkins. Now, Dan Atkins, I knew from inking. Storanko, Shields. I said, "Is Atkins another Ohio? Yeah, he's in Ohio. So all of a sudden, I'm starting to grab. Okay, it's not that bullpen thing. It's not the whole New York Manhattan uh, scene. You, you don't necessarily have to live in, in those parameters. You could. There's such a thing as called freelancing. And um, so I I, um, I met Atkins, and uh, he suggested I work up a, like a six to eight six to eight page short story because they're going to want to see how I draw, and they want to see how uh, how well I can handle storytelling. And that was like a song. So I was I went back to a school in you know Pittsburgh, doing my assignments in a day, and then working on this uh, Marvel stuff at night, man. Oh, wow. And I had a year to go, long story short, I had a year to go before I graduated and I, I got it. I got contacted by uh, Marvel, and and my first gig was uh, Mobius, The Living Empire. Oh wow! I think I was nineteen.
0: Who contacted you originally? Do you remember Roy who? Roy Thomas.
1: Pardon me. Roy Thomas. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, Roy Thomas. Yep. Well, what we was did that? A lot of editing on the uh, on Master Kung Fu.
0: What was it like getting contacted by him?
1: Well. I happened to be another, it was another time when I was visiting my family, right? And um, I'm mowing the lawn. I'm out my parents' side, you know, hanging around, you know, pitching, do something, you know. I'm mowing the lawn, I'm waving, it was a big big yard, like an acre. And I see my dad at the corner of my eye, and he's waving his hands. And I cut the motor, I said, what's up, dad? He says, Marvel Comics. You never saw a guy run so fast to that phone, man. (laughs) And it was Roy Thomas. And he says, "Paul, I love what you're doing. Uh, we're going to start you off slowly. We're going to start you off with some black and white things, we think, and then we'll move you up. We'll see how what direction things take, and uh, we'll take it from there." You know, I said, "Man, that's just too cool." So that's how that that all started, man.
0: Okay. And then how did how did you end up getting Master of Kung Fu?
1: Master Kung Fu. Uh, I was contacted by. I think it was Roy again. Is it? either Archie or Roy, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Roy. He said, hit the brakes. We got something else we want to give you. And it was um, a book called Master Kung Fu. And I knew nothing about uh, that whole... Genre, uh, I guess? See, that whole scene that was coming out you know, from the, the Asian movies and all that stuff.
0: So. Now, what was, what was the first issue you did that you felt like you were starting to make that magazine your own?
1: Uh, let me see, man. I had even make glasses for that one. I think we're looking at like. Well, what, do you are you familiar with the issues? Issue nineteen. Okay. You know which one?
0: Uh, I'm not as familiar, but I know that my. Uh <laughs> okay yeah yeah sorry it's been a while for me and I, I know that my uh, that you're a dumb... young
1: guy dude. how old are you uh, I'm 34 okay
0: young guy okay mm-hmm. Sorry. but my my listeners are going crazy right now they've been like of course we know what issue that is <laughs> that's funny so that was the issue that you you felt like you were coming into your own and, and making it your own
1: yeah yeah because uh I mean I was getting slaughtered by the acres and okay. um uh, this is Al Milgram, and it wasn't a great fit, let's put it that way. But it was, it was when I was starting to, you know, the storytelling thing uh, came about pretty natural. I never struggled with that, it, you know, pulled my hair out. I just, I just, uh, I studied Storenko, Joe Hubert, mm-hmm. some of my favorite guys, Neil, and, um, that's one thing I never stumbled around with. I, once I got that, that script and read it, I and, and intuitively and instinct, instinctively knew what, what uh, I needed to do with it. Mm-hmm.
0: We did have a, a question from a listener. was uh, when you were working on Master Kung Fu, and it kind of ties in there. Uh, were there any inkers that you felt weren't the best fit for your art style? Say it again. I'm sorry. Uh, were there any inkers that you felt weren't the best fit for your art style?
1: I'm not going to mention names. That's fair. <laughs> hey, I had to ask. Canada, right? I don't indict anybody at this point.
0: Well, that's fair.
1: They're so in nursing homes. If I don't want to. Buy, I'm going to make them you know worse, more miserable. <laughs> Come on.
0: Fair enough. Um, you no, just kidding. Another question from uh, from DJ Way or Al David.
1: Milgram, and he'll admit it. Okay. Al Milgram.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, I think I told him him at a party in New York. We almost got in a fist fight in the elevator. Oh really? <laughs> yeah really.
0: Well... What do you think that this didn't jive with you
1: two? I think we were we were drinking. I was it was, a, it was a, uh, I think it was Upstart Studios. That was a, a studio that in Lower Manhattan that, on the East Side that um, Howard Chaykin had with um, Val Merrick. Starlin was in there. Walt Simonson. And once in a while they throw a big party down there, and I, you know, I I made some wisecracks like I always do when I'm a little tipsy, you know. <laughs> and um, he didn't take it well.
0: Fair enough. Uh, we'll
1: but, no, but,
0: but, you know, we're, we're best. Okay. Well, we'll move on from Al for now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, another question from a listener. Your uh, your fight scenes were unique and a clear departure from the slam-bam slugfest perpetuated by people like Jack Kirby. Your fights had a kind of lyricism and an almost ballet-like quality to them. Do you agree with this description and how deliberate was your break with comics tradition?
1: Well, I'll tell you how that came about. Because... Frankly, I had to really do my homework on, on this stuff. And what I decided to do, this was right at the beginning. I remember when I was attending art school, there was a movie that was called Five Fingers of Death. And I think that was the first overseas martial arts picture ever that entered uh, America, right? And... um Everybody's like talking about all always, because back in the days a lot of hippies, and they're like, man, you gotta see this dude, and you know, what do you see this is this freaky dude. And, um, and as a result, due to popular popularity of that, there was a more influx. And I, I recall uh, going to the, a drive-in theater, and I, I said, you know what, man, Here's what I'm going to do this time. I'm going to take a tape recorder with me. And every time there was a fight scene, I hit, I'd press the on button. And then the next day when I went back home, I'd play it. And I'd hear this. <laughs> and I, I totally recalled what scene that was. Oh, yeah, that's when i that dude do. flipped over the table. The guy came down with a samurai, cut the table in half. he crashed out the window the other guy ensued after him more flight down on the sidewalk yada yada and I would I would recall that and and use that as reference uh, when I when I got the script then oh wow that's how I went
0: that's pretty interesting that's like old
1: school you can't get no older
0: than that yeah no that, that's definitely unique <laughs> <laughs> I know I <laughs> like that um a question so the next question as we move on was uh what was it like uh working with Doug Monk Mitch Minch, sorry. Well, I, I've learned something today. I've wondered that about how do you pronounce that for years.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good, matches. he's a matches. I think it's a Yiddish term for a, a good fellow. What mm-hmm. was it like working with him? We uh, we right. He didn't know much about kung fu either. But once um once we got rolling, and and I had that Bruce Lee thing in my blood. We were off to the races, you know, as far as what I needed, and you know, with Storanko's influence and and uh, my hunger to um, make a mark in this industry, mm-hmm. we we His It was his scripts were were always very sound and, and terrific, but we did go back and forth. It, I, I never took uh, a script from Doug and and, and place in my lap, and at that point, just start. Hitting the board the next day, and, and I'm off to the races. We we we, we discussed this stuff very thoroughly, and I had my own ideas. I'm not a writer per se, but I, I definitely had uh, plot lines in, in many of these uh, kung fu stories. Man, there's no two ways about it.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah. That brings up the question: How just how detailed were his scripts once you got them?
1: There were they were well, he worked in in, um, in paragraphs. It was up to me, here the page one is on the giant paragraph with the dialogue in there, mm-hmm. like you're reading, almost like you're reading a novel. it will be literally up to me to break that down. Okay, how many, this is gonna take four panels, five, six, whatever, you know. And that's up to the artist to determine uh, how he wants to go about that. You, me with the camera in, in my head, I'm thinking shots, these shots are coming to me to me like rapid fire. I read the script and f- and I know exactly how to play it. Mm-hmm. I never I never had to uh, maul it around and dwell on it or walk away and think it over. It was like bang at, right at my right after breakfast with the lights on at my table. I knew r- automatically, intuitively how to play the scene. Mm-hmm. That's why and I and I struggled with the, uh, the the whole art thing. I mean, I got this really like gift, but I also struggle with this, uh, this this other aspect of. Maybe should I should I stick with the art thing totally, or should I perhaps go reach further bounds and perhaps get behind a camera? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I struggled uh, when I when I notified when I uh, notified Marla that I was going to leave. I remember my, back in the day I was smoking and I was in, I was in my like late twenties. When I I notified Stan Lee, he called me. When I notified uh, Roy Thomas that I was leaving, it wasn't long after I, I spoke with Roy... I got a call from Stanley directly because he was a real fucking big fan of this book. And he said, Paul, I just heard the news, Jesus Christ. What the hell can we do to make you stick around? I said, Stan, I have other endeavors I want to pursue, and uh, and I just I, I just feel compelled to go down other path." He said, well, the door is always open for you, Paul. Anytime you want to come back, we're here for you. And I thanked him, yada, yada. So, so I'm stuck back to the cigarette in a dark room. What do I do? Should I pursue my, this gift that I was given as an artist? Because the next thing I wanted to do was be a, a painter. I wanted to do paperback book jackets. Oh, that was, yeah. The rest of my heroes outside of the comic realm were those guys. And uh, Bama, Bam, Robert McGinnis, who was known for his uh, James Bond movie posters. He was a big paperback illustrator. Stranko already had broken into the field. So I was compelled to do this, and I, I, I thought I was going to either go to West to go to film school mm-hmm. and get behind, get my neck behind a fucking camera, or go and fulfill myself and see how much uh, I had to offer with this artistic side of me, with with the painting and drawing and So I decided to go to New York City, and I moved from Ohio to New York City, and uh, subsequently in time didn't it didn 't work out with me I had trouble with the art directors at these publishing houses for one thing they had, they had a chip and I, I I was a young guy and i didn 't want to hear it so i, I went and i went i attended pratt uh Pratt Institute mm-hmm. I took like a four week class and I ended up in advertising and that was a whole nother whole nother world for me and I did this for like two years in in New York and I had all kinds of clients man and I got a call i married I, I, I met a girl from uh Portland was a friend of mine, a student of a friend of mine, who was a teacher at a, a, a college there. He introduced me, we got married, and and uh, she had a, a job in the city. Her dad passed away, left her family business, which was out in Portland, and, she, and the question came up, do you want to stay in New York City, or, sh- or should we go out to Portland, Oregon? I said, let's get the hell out. And all I thought, I am a client go. And then when I came out here, Back to the comics, so the the, the the dynamics of this is all over the map. Mm-hmm. Like I could have went all over the direction, anywhere, man. So so that's now it's become a mecca. I was one like the first guy in in the like in the very very early eighties that landed here, and the, and the press were were all over me because I already had a name for myself, and and the wind and some of these people that like who wrote columns in, in a local fish rep, were, 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 were calling me and they wanted to interview me yada yada and as a result now you got Dark Horse who sprung out of nowhere out of Portland you got IDW recently moved here and now you got Image that moved here so it's a, really a mecca mm-hmm. uh, that exploded
0: it's like crazy man so really it all started with you <laughs>
1: I don't know uh, yeah <laughs> I, re- I really said, let me tell you a fast story and you'll you'll die when you hear this one now, this business that uh, my wife inherited when her father died was this giant pool hall out here in, pool hall, uh, in, uh, in Portland. And she used to tell me when she came up from work, Paul, there's a little sign down the sidewalk, down the block. There's a little hole in the wall. And there's a little sign that says Dark Horse Comics. And there's three guys that come in every day for lunch. A guy named Randy, a guy named Mike, and a guy named Chris. And they're dying for you to come in. And I'm like, oh, it's like I got time for these bums. <laughs> now, ironically, I got to make it
0: a point to, to talk to Mike fucking Richards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? The irony kills me when I think about it. It's true, though. That's true. It's totally true. Uh, I mean, yeah, Mike
1: blew up. Yeah. Mike blew up. For sure. No. Yeah, he did. But, oh. but but these guys subsequently, I mean, these guys came from, uh, I think the Bay Area uh, uh, image was out of Bay Area, and, and L.A., I don't know, who else from L.A.? But they're here. So mm. it's really crazy out here, man. Now, it's like too many comic book people.
0: <laughs> Going back to the question from David before. Well, you, well,
1: you're, you're in Canada, right?
0: I'm in Canada, absolutely, in Toronto, okay, Canada.
1: Yeah. yeah, my Twitter page is run by a guy named Renaud, uh, Renaud, uh, Renaud lefeu <laughs> out of uh, Quebec, Canada yeah I, I never I, met this guy as soon as I got a website back in like mid eighties whatever this guy named matt in in Paris okay. he's a fan of mine, and he uh would write me fan mail and then he came over to visit me here in Portland. he was in the military in, in France and he set me up with my website. I don't know how to do it I'm like a, I still type with one finger you kidding me. <laughs> and, and um and we're not. Got in touch with Matt, and he all all this all the stuff that's on my website is probably contributed to uh, Renard. He was he's the one guy who uh, makes this thing pop. Matt would more or less just post the shit. Okay. So Renard right now has my uh, has two Twitter pages. He has the Renard at Galacy Twitter page, and then I got my own Twitter stuff. So he's my he's my my man, you know. <laughs> There you go. He's my man. Excellent.
0: <laughs> I'll quick, quick back. Now, if we jump back um, to when the questions about uh, Doug's scripts, uh, one of the specific questions was that uh, some of your comics together were meticulously staged. Examples being the opening sequences in issue twenty nine, the Crystal Connection, uh, and in issue thirty eight, the, uh, the Cat. And some of the carefully choreographed fight sequences, like number thirty against Razor Fist and number thirty nine against the Cat. Was that all you, or did, and how did you go about blocking out the scenes?
1: No, no, no let me tell you how when it Doug has his story, the storyline. I'm reading the storyline. Mm-hmm. The dialogue, they're in the office, they're driving in a car, they're walking down the street. And then it comes to the fight. This is the script. Three words. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> and he left it all up to me. Wow. That's how it went.
0: So I guess that as you said, you have that you had an eye for uh, for the visual. I mean that's you know, the eye of the camera and so that, that was your staging and your blocking. Yeah, what what were your favorite storylines during your run with Doug
1: oh man let me see I have to look I got these on the floor let me check them out I like the I thought Cat the Cat series was was very uh, was a lot of fun Uh, the Murder Agency definitely a favorite Mm -hmm. because I inked that one
0: okay
1: and uh let me see what else
0: did you finally
1: I was disappointed I I really wanted to put more into that into that last issue uh yeah, than what we ended up with. But I'm pretty happy, you know, I had I had struggled with some of these anchors along the way, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Some were hit and miss. Dan Atkins was a guy that nailed it. And Dan, you know, as I mentioned, was uh, a story anchor on some of the Nick Furies. Yeah. And he nailed I I think he really came really close to how Jim would have would have handled it. And I, I got a hand it to to doug or uh, to Dan as well, he came really, really close, he had real respect he knew he knew how to he had an eye for that he could he could see it, and he knew what it what to do with it, but he was real lazy, you know he was always poking around, took him from Everett to get a job he's always running late is
0: that, and, is and that... I was
1: running late, so it, some mm. of the stuff so that's why this stuff might have looked a lot better if we had more time mm. but this is the you know, when you got when you 're nineteen twenty whatever and and uh <laughs> Hired by this big outfit, and you got a, a gun to your head with with a deadline. You you have to jump. That's, that that divides uh, the amateur from the pro. Either you're in it to to uh, show that you can handle this kind mm-hmm. of uh, task, or you can't. Yeah. So there's a lot of guys that draw. I mean, I've been I've, t- I've attended thousands of cons, man, and all these guys break out their portfolios and they could draw like hell. But but can you draw? Can you break this stuff down into a story? with a deadline on your head. You got two and a half weeks or whatever to get this done or three, whatever whatever it is, you know. Can you handle that? And that's where, is, that's where it separates the men from the boys kind of thing to use an, uh, an old, you know, vintage.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's true. No. I'm Either quite... you're
1: able to handle this or you can't. Some guys flame out, they burn out, they can't handle it, you know, whatever. Mm. Some guys start out as writers and then end up be writers. Yeah. They, they can't. They can't deal with it.
0: What? Uh, what? Why did Dan stop inking you with issue thirty-nine?
1: Um, I don't know. Maybe he got tied up. He was inking other people. He was, he was there inking um, Barry Smith. He was, he was inking Ken Conan. When I first met him, he was—I um, was looking over his shoulder. He was inking, inking uh, uh, Barry Smith Conan. It was that was a thrill, man. So I don't know. He was all over the map, Dan.
0: You know. What were your um, What do you think was, I mean So we asked about Your fav- favorite storylines What do you think Was some of your Best work On uh, on Master of Kung Fu
1: Well you want to go By um, The book numbers uh, Yeah the... Okay it's 29 That would be um, The Crystal Connection I thought that was A great story man mm. Very good story I liked um, That one I thought the Shockwave character Was pretty Pretty tight That was a pretty Good character That Doug and I Created um I like the series. I really like that series where he brought in this character called Larner. Okay. And I I base his appearance and his his uh body movement and yada yada on Because I was a big Marlon Brando fan back okay. then. And um so that was important to me. And let me see what else. I'd mentioned issue thirty eight. Cat, of course. Mm-hmm. I liked uh Snowbuster, that was a good issue. It was Dan on the inks on that one.
0: That's right.
1: And I'm doing some kind of like Storanko kind of things in that. I liked um, issue 49. Is familiar with that one? That's with Shaka uh, Khan. Oh, yeah? That freaky dude with, <laughs> with the big swords. You know. <laughs> now, let me see what else, man. This one way back in the early 70s.
0: Uh, yeah, we're really going way back in the way back Machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying, man. I remember this. I remember doing this stuff at my parents' house in the attic, it converted into like a bedroom, oh, a wow. studio. And I, I would die if anybody found out that I was working for Marvel. You know, <laughs> living with mom and dad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is funny. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, what? Um who do, you, who do you think was your favorite, I, I, you don't have to tell about the, you know, the inkers you weren't as big a fan of, but who was your favorite inker on your work when you were working on Master of Kung Fu? Who do you think just made your work pop the most?
1: Oh, just, it had to be Dan. It was Dan. Yeah.
0: Well, what about when you got to ink yourself?
1: Sorry?
0: I said, what about when you got to ink yourself?
1: Yeah. Well, when I had, when I inked it, that's why I, mean, that was, I was thrilled because they could finally see what, what I was trying to do the whole time, what the pencils looked like this time with ink on it. hmm yeah, so that was really important. I tell you, before I w- walked away from this, from that, at that time on that on that series, I wanted to make sure that was clear. I mean, I'm glad I was able to do that because it's it's very it's, it's disheartening. It's very frustrating when you put a lot of work into uh, you draw your ass off, you know, put all this work in, into these intricate lines and detail and then somebody walks over it, I mean, that's, you can, that's a, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's crushing. Mm, for sure. It really is. Because you want, because you, you want, it's not just about us. It's about, you want to appease those fans out there. You want to make, you want to entertain these people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's another aspect that I always, uh, and Striker used to uh, use that phrase as well as, as his, him entertaining. And it's, and it's really uh, what it's all about. It's not so much how much I'm trying to impress with with my artwork. It's the artwork is only a vehicle to to really um, make this entertaining and fun. Hmm. You know, it's just a vehicle that makes it so when it closed out the comic on that last page and put it aside, that they had they were thrilled with this it, it, and that's what the whole team involved. The, the great script from Doug, or, the, or whoever's writing it. Mm-hmm. My work involved and in the whole, all that teamwork involved. It's from, you know much like a motion picture. It's all like this teamwork that's involved. Mm-hmm. To, to uh, you got this this birthing process until you come out with this uh, this product. You know, just whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's like a song it's like Leonard and McCartney when they, were, you know, they teamed up doing ideas back and forth and it turned out you know they this beautiful thing on. these guys
0: when you were working on, on Master Kung Fu who were your favorites of the large cast of characters
1: well of course Lauren the Brando character um kind of like a Wu was important
0: who was she based on?
1: She was based on Let me think where I got where I saw her. She was based on anybody who was a, a pretty Asian girl back in those days. Okay. Because you didn't see them around. Hmm. Even when we were doing this in in the in the 70s, you didn't see it around. Again, you have to you have to go to these Hong Kong uh martial arts movies, yeah, or anything else. But as far as Asian women in in the uh, in American cinema it was a long shot. Maybe you saw all these women in, in Bond movies here and there. Mm-hmm. But that was that. So we to make a uh to develop a character and make a character like this blossom like Lyco, I thought that was real important at that time. Yeah. And it was another milestone. I think it was another milestone the uh that we played with, you know, the the ethnic thing.
0: Mhm. Um, you know, this this comes from a listener, so don't don't get mad at me if you're if you don't like some parts of the question. <laughs> he says um, you were very good at likenesses, so it always surprised him that Clive Reston was meant to be modeled on Sean Connery. To them, your rendition was only vaguely reminiscent of Connery, and someone suggested that Reston was actually your conception of a Sherlock Holmesian character crossed with Connery, which makes some kind of sense. What's the story?
1: That's uh, absolutely true. He nailed it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a combination of both. Interesting. Yeah. What, in fact, I had him posing in these earlier issues. He was posing with the pipe and so forth. We dropped the pipe after a while. Yeah, with, with a long trench coat. That he looked like an English kind of guy, you know. <laughs> but, um, but I definitely had uh, uh, Connery in, in there.
0: What sure. kind of led you to kind of mix those two, you know, kind of archetypes together?
1: It was kind of like more of a less uh, falling suit with Doug. I didn't want to stray too far, you know. I want to keep it kind of like where he saw things, and uh, and not go too too wild with the Hollywood thing, you
0: know. Okay. Um, you inherited Blackjack, so his appearance was already established when you took over. But while rereading your selfing to number forty, featuring Clive and Larson, all of a sudden this uh, listener thought, "My goodness, Blackjack is Gene Hackman." Other friends, <laughs> other fans have
1: said, so sed- "Gene Hackman."
0: Other fans have suggested your rendition at the time was inspired by Christopher Lee. What say you?
1: No, no. No, wrong on both counts.
0: Who was it supposed to be?
1: He was He was totally made up. Was Jack, no... uh, Blackjack was Blackjack.
0: So no inspiration there?
1: No, there was no no, no inspiration from based, nowhere.
0: Not on purpose anyway. Everyone's kind of finding something... No, with...
1: not based on a soul. <laughs> I swear to God.
0: Um, drugs know are... a few. Okay. Uh, Drug Czar Carlton Vel- uh, Velcro was such a fully realized character with his histrionic gestures and mannerisms. Was he based on anyone in particular? No. That just sprang from you? Nope. <laughs> Beg your pardon? I said that that was a, a fully uh, original creation?
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Just from uh, reading Doug's script, I kind of like... This is how I uh, perceive this guy to be.
0: Okay. Uh, he's, the same, uh, this is David again, saying, uh, David Niven and Marlon Brando and even Jim Steranko were thrown in the mix, and so was, allegedly, Robert Morley. Did you incorporate any other real-life people in Master of Kung Fu who the fans didn't pick up on?
1: Oh, man, I gotta look. Man, <laughs> I <laughs> be all the issues. That'd
0: be its own interview, well, right? Dietrich was in there, how
1: about her? Okay. Um, um, um. Yeah, Brandon. I don't know that's. Gonna, I have to go through all, and I have to rifle through all these books. So it would take forever.
0: <laughs> That'd be its
1: you own burden. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely, Bruce. You know, there was a, a, a traveling uh, Bruce Lee exhibit going from L.A. And this is a couple of years ago in Portland. Here, mm-hmm. um, it was a traveling Bru- Bruce Lee art exhibit from L.A. Going back up to Seattle be put there forever by Bruce's wife, Linda Lee. And she, they, they stopped at, at Chinatown at a gallery here in Portland. And I said to Nancy, my wife, I said, look, whatever we do, honey, I gotta meet this woman. So I went to this gallery, it was very crowded, people having a good time, entertainment, music, there's a band, and, uh, drinking, there's a multi-level uh, scenario. And, um, and I spotted her. And I said, I got to make my way over there and be patient. And finally, did. And I said, I introduced myself. I said, I used, to do, I used to do a comic book called Master Kung Fu, and the character of that book was very reminiscent of Bruce. And I want to ask you a question, which which uh, has been sticking with me for a very long time. There was a rumor going around that. You had phoned Stanley and told him to knock it off. (laughs) Is that true? She said no. I didn't. I didn't call. I had my people do it. (laughs) How do you like that, Chief? So she did. (laughs) She did see that stuff, man.
0: Interesting.
1: So she, you know, she's into the license. She ain't playing. Yeah, but but it was a pleasant. It was a ple- I, You know, we we shook hands. It was a, it was a real pleasant. It was a real treat. Absolutely, I mean, Bruce Lee was my man. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, that, that must. I, I, I saw.
1: I think I saw End of the Dragon like thirty times. Easy. Wow. Easy to get those moves, all that stuff.
0: What? What? So, um, if you could go back to the period where you're working on Master Kung Fu, is there anything you would have done differently, or that you would have approached differently, or? You just you're happy with the work and the way it worked out, and that people remember it as fondly as they do.
1: I, I'm real happy. I, I, I think it was it was sound enough at that time. It was so different, you know. Um, there was nothing like it at that time, mm-hmm. so. The fact that it's still, that this character is still around is amazing. You know, he's, he's kind of like a, a second tier character, but he's still, he's still in the Marvel universe. It's amazing. You know, the, they've made the toys, the, the, they made products from, from, uh, from him. And, um, and I'm, we're, we're grateful. I mean, it was actually, you know, it was, it's Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. He was, they were, they, these are the guys that created this character, Mhm. you know? So if there's ever a movie with Shang Chi, we're gonna have a, a real. I gotta hire that attorney right away to go to war with those two guys.
0: <laughs> How did? You, <laughs> what is it like seeing like so recently? Marvel started publishing these omnibuses of of your work on the book. What is yeah. it? What is it like to be able to finally get to see it reprinted um, in in like a new collected format? Because that was something that people had requested and wanted for years.
1: Yeah. Well, there had to go. The, there's a lot of red tape involved with that you know absolutely yeah yeah so they finally ironed that out and uh, and, you know I I couldn't be more happy the coloring nobody likes the coloring let's admit it but um (laughs) to make this happen and and become a reality you know I can sleep better at night
0: and I guess you probably got a check in the mail right yep (laughs) that that makes it easier to sleep too (laughs)
1: It's on four tires in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding.
0: Um, did you follow the magazine after you left?
1: I looked at it I, when I when I dro- drop into a comic book shop. But I was I was taken up. I went another round. You know, I was, like you said, Johnny, you know, Bond. I, you know, who needs uh, these characters on? Dawn when I'm actually working on 007? Mm-hmm. That character. That, back then that's how I felt about it. Man, finally I got the real guy. Yeah. You know? sure. So I made sure that I, I I really nailed that one. You know, and Doug, you know, he's a big Bond you know, Fleming guy, so it was it was uh, a real treat. A real treat. In fact I just did a massive interview with um with with this outfit that has um I think they have the the Bond license out of London and um that should be coming on online pretty soon, man. So that was a kick. Yeah,
0: what was it about? What is it about you and Doug that works so well? Like, why do you guys seem to, to gel so well together as a creative team?
1: I don't know. We're just like um he's a real laid back guy. I mean, he's like an old hippie from Chicago, and up from Ohio, and you know, kind of Midwest thing. Maybe I don't know. I just I just appreciate his his friendship. You know, I used to. um Visit him when i lived in in the city or even when I lived in ohio and, and subsequently moved in uh actually lived in new Jersey. Um, he was in um northeast Pennsylvania out in the country a beautiful home you know that he and his wife had and he's just a real uh, bosom buddy, he's an old friend man yeah we go way back we were we, were, we started out in our twenties and you know here we are getting older and uh that friendship never—it um, never stopped being a wonderful thing, man. It's good. We we're my tight, really close friends.
0: Look, looking back, what do you owe to Master of Kung Fu, and is it your favorite project that you worked
1: on? Yeah, I, I would say in that in that time of my life, it was uh, real important. It was my f- a favorite, and a very important. So, I would say. Um, that this character probably is um, the most important thing that, that I um, share in the industry. Mm-hmm. But well, but I tell you what's right on the, on the tail of Shang Chi would have to be Batman.
0: Absolutely. And that's
1: working with Doug again. I mean, we did things with Batman. Uh, nobody did.
0: No, well, absolutely.
1: We did, we conceived of how they developed the bats. Nobody did this. The bat signal. We 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 uh, conceived of how he developed the Batmobile. It was never done. It, it just it just popped up. It's there. Yeah. But how he came about and he decided to, to do this. All uh, right, you can swing around the buildings, but you need you might need some wheels. And so we had him fucking working on this fucking thing. I'm drawing. I'm drawing him working on it like a mechanic. Developing this damn Batmobile, and we show, show you turn the page, and here comes a down shot of this thing coming out of the Batcave, right at you with the headlights on, and that was—that's real important in, in a feather in, in, in Doug and a Duganized cap. No two ways about it. Mm-hmm. No two ways about it. But right up there with Shang Chi. Okay. Is there and any... a bad signal?
0: Yeah. Is there any character? It hit the
1: switch, but how did it start? What made him want to do this?
0: You know?
1: <laughs> and we showed how Gordon went on that, on, on the roof on, with that light and, and put that and patch on this thing that's shaped like a bat, hit the switch, and it looked like became a bat sitting up there, man, on a clock.
0: Is there any character? Nobody else
1: conceived that. They, no. It's kind of remarkable that he did
0: That no one had gone. I'm going,
1: Doug, you sure? you sure nobody had thought of this? Paul. Believe me, nobody ever conceived of how the hell Gordon went about this. There's no history of this. I said, dude, this is too much. Let's do it. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Is there a character you always wanted to work on but didn't get the chance to or haven't gotten the chance to work on yet? No. No. I, I think I covered it. Okay. How did, yep. you, how did you end up working on Batman Catwoman?
1: Archie Goodwin. When he went from uh, Marvel, he was uh, Mar- you know, our, our editor back way back in the day at uh, the there, and then he made his move over to DC. So he kept us in mind. Okay, I'm sure he called Doug. I think that was at his foot over there already before I did. He was working with some of the other other talent, other artists on titles, and then um, I then they dragged me into the scene.
0: <laughs> Which um. Which of your out of print works would you most like to see become available again?
1: Um hmm. Man, that's a tough one. Um I might like to see Sabred come out again. Maybe. That one um I liked some of the cat I like I don't know if they collected Catwoman. I think they should they didn't mm-hmm. I, like to, I enjoyed working on Catwoman it was fun man so that I'd like to see more of that I'll take that that character in a minute she was really fun um I went from Catwoman to Scooby Doo with those guys are you kidding me, are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 I just did just a cover it's coming out man All right.
0: if you had the option which of your series would you like to go back and redo Or you could say, "Of course, think, none of them; you know, they're all it is, perfect." It is what
1: it is. You have to almost like take it on the chin.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's how. That's just the way it goes. I mean, I, I can't. I can't really. You know what? When you when you when you ask a question like that, it's like, okay, starting where? With the colorist? With the inker? With, mm. You know, you got to go all the way down the line. True. You know, you just can't say this this might have worked better if this individual was, I had this person on instead of that one. You know what I mean? Mm, so it's real, it gets into these intricacies that's confusing and muddled and it's not, it's not, it doesn't make sense any of that. So I, it is what it is. You know, it's like anybody plays a uh, ball, you know, you win games, you lose them. If I only, only would have these those Nikes, those Nikes that day, I <laughs> could, you know and it, you know it's like whatever. Get over it.
0: Um when you did do James Bond with Doug, um I don't know if we actually covered how did you get that call? Like how did how did that even kinda come up as an as an option or as a property that you'd be able to work on.
1: Man how do I go Man, I have to think about that. Wait.
0: Like did someone know how much you liked Bond? Like or like did they know that this was something that was in your wheelhouse that you'd been, you know yeah. preparing forever to be able to illustrate or like how did this Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it
1: was that that was Mike Richardson in that case.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah, he would
1: be the one he was the one who uh thought we were the team for Bond.
0: Now, uh with Bond, did Doug get kind of attached first or did you get attached first? Like who brought the other one with them?
1: I you know I can't remember. We need to call Doug.
0: <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll move on to another question.
1: Okay, <laughs> because I'm trying. I'm really at this about that that Bond question, man. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm looking through my my. It's funny because I'm clouds like right now trying to figure that out.
0: Okay, well you can you can think of it, and I can always cut and paste to put it back in where it needs to be. Uh, All but, right, yeah, man. And do editing. Um, Good. Wh- what was it like working with Don McGregor on Saber and at Warren?
1: Okay, let's start with Saber, then we'll move over to Warren. Sure. I mean, that's a, that's a weird combo right
0: there. Um, that, that came from a
1: listener. <laughs> okay, this is, this is again where I had notified that I was leaving Master Kung Fu. I, I contacted after the phone call with Stan, and I left my apartment in Ohio, and my sister got married. And she moved out of the house, and I took her bedroom, and I converted it into a studio. So I was going to work up um, some, th- this is when I was wanted, what, my, my next uh, goal was to become a, a paperback book cover artist, right? So I wanted to, uh, you know, work on my painting skills. So that's that's how that came about. Now, now, in the meantime, I got contacted by Don McGregor, and Don says, are you around to do a job? I said, what do you got? He said, well, "I got two guys, Jan Dean Mullaney, two brothers out of Staten Island, and they're going to publish this book, and it's called Saber. It's a futuristic, uh, kind of like a, a renegade pirate, futuristic pirate kind of guy." I said, "Well, I, you know, Doug, I don't know, um, Doug, I don't know if I can handle that." Man. He said, "Well, wow, we want you really bad." He said, okay, so I caved and I decided, okay, let's do it." So I worked on the paintings at uh, at night drew this thing during the daytime and that's how Sabre came about. Oh, wow. What was the question?
0: Uh, well, no. Like, what was it like working with Don?
1: Well, Don was not fun. Don's not fun to work with. No? No. He's he's a good guy but not fun to work with.
0: Why is that? Very particular? He's too worried. Or? Oh.
1: He's too worried. <laughs> he's, like, he's all over the map with the words. So he's crowded my my visuals out with these balloons and i was saying, don't you know, Don, nobody talks like this. Why do you have this guy go going droning on? You're boring your audience. You don't need all this like this gibberish. So we we clashed, but at the end of the day, it's a, it was a, it was a good product. It's a very controversial character, man. There's no toys about it. I mean, there's only one saver. We're we're breaking some boundaries way back then with that one. I was reluctant to uh, to jump into the fray on some of this things. I, I thought the interracial uh, relationship was really it was it was too messy it was a little too ahead of its time it was too controversial Don I don't know if you want to rattle the case but the, but Don was, was that kind of rebel you, that, that's kind of a guy he was you know his his work uh, exuded that kind of thing you, you know he liked he liked the, to um, make people get emotional and and think you know mm-hmm. And, and Sabre did. And and uh, it was two, there were two brothers out of Staten Island, uh, Jan and Dean. Jan was the musician brother who had the, fund, the funds to publish this thing and Dean was the publisher. And, and if, it, if it wasn't for the success of, of Sabre being a sellout, which allowed Dean to put money back into the company, there would never be in, uh in Eclipse, Eclipse Comics. Eclipse Comics was number three at the time after Marvel and DC. That's how big they blew up. As a result of Saber being a success. So way back then, when the, uh, the beginning of your question, it, 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 it all worked out for the good. Even though I, I thought, this man, this is a scary topic. This is something I don't know if I want to deal with at that time, but I'm glad I did, man. It, it, it was uh, worthwhile, but that, I still look at the issue and say that line was really sucked on on page four. I mean, why did you, you know? But let bygones be be bygones, so to speak.
0: And then the the, the but that's the, the truth. The follow-up, that's the and
1: like I said, it, they were they were off to the races after that.
0: Yeah. Did you ever consider doing the comic?
1: No, I didn't want to do with it anymore. No, there was just other things. I, this is when I was going. I was going to to do uh, paperback book cover jackets. I was working on paintings. That's right. I was done with comics.
0: Another question comics. that came up was uh, that if now this is uh, from the listener. Uh, if you compare "Prey," a storyline in legends of the Dark Knight in the eighties, with "Doug" and "Terror," the sequel from ten years later, you can see that your style is less photorealistic and more characteristic. Uh, sorry caricature and cartoony do you agree with that evaluation and if so was it a deliberate evolution
1: no not deliberate it's just um, a natural progression
0: okay
1: yeah yeah yep Um, sometimes you just can't fight
0: you can't fight it.
1: (laughs) whatever's in there that's coming out with you gotta you gotta stay with it it's a natural thing man. process
0: uh, you've worked on various film properties like Terminator, Predator, versus Batman, Star Wars, and The Thing. What's that like working on these, you know, licensed properties? Which was the most fun, and are there any other film franchises you'd like to work on?
1: Um, yeah, they were all fun. Bond was especially fun. But right now, I just got contacted by um, a friend of mine who was a director, uh, and he's. Uh, He's directing Escape Plan too with uh, Sylvester Stallone, and I'm doing storyboards for them right now. Oh wow! On that for that film, so it's a real nice, fun gig, man.
0: What's that like being able to kind of do storyboards? I mean, it's 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 similar to comics, it' very different at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, when I went into advertising in New York, um, it was like uh, it was like you. It just came so natural; it was so fun. It was like nothing to it, you know. Once you got that. Uh, that, that ability and it, it flourishes and, uh, and it's a part of you and you're you can express express visually in in that format that's it's it's um it's very exciting it's fun fun thing to do. a lot of guys can't do it you gotta have that kind of like that camera in your head mm-hmm. and um, a lot of guys a lot of people could draw but a lot of people can't draw s- sequential storytelling and that's what blocks them from entering the field, and that's what makes I think comic book artists very unique in that in that regard. Mm-hmm. You got to have that that both of those talents, not and, and plus a, you know with a time clock where uh, you had. So there's so there, there definitely is a, a certain kind of um, there's a criteria and there's a certain kind of um, makeup to. Uh, these people who enter this field and do it, create these things, man. You, you have to have uh, you have to juggle a variety of
0: abilities to make this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. It's a unique, it's a unique uh, field. What do you prefer: standalone illustration, like covers, or the se- sequential storytelling?
1: Sequential. Yeah. Even though I've been doing a lot of like um, non-sequential things. Uh, it's in it's in your blood, so it's really a, uh, something that I gotta let out every once in a while. I gotta tell a story. <laughs> like, you have to have that story. You just gotta, you just can't say, "Hey, I want to do uh, sequential storytelling." It's it's got to be more motivating. You know, I have to have something that's I can bite into, and it can't be something that's repetitive that I've done before. It's got to be something fresh, and that's that's tough because I got a lot of product two years out there. You know, I mean, thousands of pages. There's got to be something. That's why I'm not, like, um, I make money in, a, in, a, in other ways without doing comics right now. But uh, once once I have that, and if it was offered to me, it has to be something that's right up my alley. Otherwise, I'm not going to be interested in it, probably. It's got to have that special it, you know, factor. Mm-hmm. With the character. I mean, I, I can't, there's no character uh, offhand Anywhere that I could think of that I would be interested at this point in doing nothing, none. Always, I'm always asked out of cons and the fans, Don't you want to do Captain America? Not really, you know, not really. Not, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do Captain America. It has to be something very unique and that I could rap, you know, like Sam, really like put my claws in there, you know? Mm-hmm. It'll what? come about, I don't know i would do batman okay i would do if they said paul we want you on batman i'm, I'm there All right i'm there for that even though i did a lot of pages of Batman, <laughs> i wouldn't mind going to take another shot because yeah. i know if i worked with the writer we could come up with something good especially doug well yeah but i, mean, I like ed brubaker he was fun on catwoman he was a great writer man fun he mm-hmm. had that humorous aspect mm-hmm. a lot of guys can't uh a lot of writers can't write humor I don't know what it is with Guy. I think it's unique to the comic book field, as opposed to maybe film or whatever. But there's something about comic book writers—they lack this a comedic uh, ability, of some kind. Do you find that too, man? You got to You have to have that. Yeah. You can't be stoic all the way through when you read these things. They could be very exciting but there's something that you have to break away and I think humor is really an important aspect of it can be difficult to do though i mean it's the whole thing, circular thing become a in a, in what it's supposed to be you follow me
0: Oh, no, absolutely i think you're right i think um Something about humor is so much like it's. It's almost like it's easier to develop like drama, but it, there's something about something that has a sense of humor to it or a lightness to it that people absolutely. can still connect with. Is just it's a d- more delicate balance, I guess, and it's a lot yeah. more precious t- in order to to kind of get it right.
1: A- absolutely, you saw it in the blonde movies. You, you see it in the um, Spielberg movies, hmm. Indiana Jones. These throwaway bits and these lines and these visuals. Are really important to make that these things work. You have to have that in there.
0: Yeah. No.
1: Stuff in as well.
0: Now, question. So you fully painted eight issues of Six of Sirius. Uh, were you happy with the results? How time time consuming was it? And you never did painting comics again after that. Why?
1: I didn't paint. It was done with markers. Oh, really? Yeah. And I learned I learned the the wheel of the markers from my days uh, in in advertising in New York. Oh, wow. And yeah, I still do all my commissions. I just did uh, just, uh, mailed off a sheet to a guy. I think it was Canadian too. Yeah, Dotted markers. I could paint with. In and the, in the uh, through um, I don't know what it is with the. I guess what, uh, with the uh, the development of how the 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 ink the tech the technology today. Mm-hmm come back in the day is uh, these things is they're remarkable you could literally if you know how to paint and you use markers you could you would paint with the markers it's, it's amazing like that so it's really i have a lot of fun they dry real quickly and uh you know they, they're vibrant and they're they're wonderful man wow they're very expensive as well
0: that's very different i mean
1: technology is taking these things really really to the moon <laughs> they really are I I could be more happy man I I, I do like one commission after another I don't paint anymore I do I'll I'll paint with markers and I'll give you something that looks like a painting wow because I learned how to use these damn things you know so we'll talk about your next commission my friend (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'll lace you up brother
0: (laughs) Uh, what are the chances of ever getting an artist edition of your own of your work with like all the original scanned artwork
1: the original
0: the artwork? What do you mean? Well, sorry. Have you ever seen uh, IDW's Artist Editions? I heard them. I
1: don't know if I saw describe
0: them. Oof! I am not the right person to describe them. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I'm at a loss to even describe them at this moment. It's, it's basically—I think they take originals, like they take the original boards, and then they scan them uh, in color. But it looks like you got the original black and white pencils. Um, yeah. and it's reprinting all the original artwork uh, in kind of an oversized large format um, so you can kind of see all the intricacies of the original pencils. Um, would you ever... Do you, Do you think... That, what are the chances of ever getting one of those of your work?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Because, I, you know, one, number one, I don't do any tight pencils ever. Hmm. Ever. There's like three drawings that are tight in my whole life <laughs> in pencil. I <laughs> <laughs> just don't do it. I don't do it. And one was a, a shot of me. I'll have to send it to you. You'll die. Is when I went to the Lou as an art student, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm standing in front of the, the Mona Lisa. I got long hair back in the day, back in the '70s, right. And it, it's a, a back shot of me, and I got the wrinkles on his jacket. I'm wearing my my jeans, and I got my my hand to my chin. It's a back. You see a back of me, in the Mona Lisa. And the Mona Lisa I use from. To, a picture in a magazine in a hotel. Right after I came back to the hotel, and, and started drawing this thing, I had this shot of her. But I had this idea. I mean, just stand in front of the fuck. This is when you can come close to this thing. You know, now it's like all kind of like laser beams and security on. You know, yeah. bells and whistles and all kind of. But back in the day, you could almost like go all the way very close. You could get within like six feet at least to the Mona Lisa, and, and there'd be two, a couple of guards there but um, you can get close to that damn thing so that was uh, I'll have to send you a shot of that dude
0: Sounds pretty interesting
1: yeah I'll, send, I'll, send, I'll get a scan made <laughs> I have to do it anyhow it's, it's something uh, that I, I was intended to do in Cases like another art book around the corner I wanted this to, uh, to be seen I, I, I drew it since uh, I was in my 20s man this goes way back wow it's never never been published hmm. but I'll send it to you you're going
0: to see it that'd be
1: awesome yeah, dude. But some idiot. There was an art exhibit at 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 the college at Art Institute of Pittsburgh, and um, somebody threw something at. Somebody was a, a wide ass, and they hit uh, Mona Lisa's face. No. Whatever they did, you know, either by hand or something, you know, with a pen, they fucked it up. It's, it's you have to look close, but it is, there is a rip on it, but it's, it still holds up. Hmm. But you'll be the only guy I ever sent a copy of this thing. To. I'll get a scan That'd and amazing. it's going to be yours, man.
0: That'd be amazing. Now,
1: the wh- uh, yeah.
0: last question I do want to ask is that I know that uh, about a decade ago you did some uh, some more work for Marvel and specifically I wanted to ask you uh, what it was like working with Paul Jenkins on uh, Penance Relentless.
1: Oh, man, that was one of my favorite stories ever.
0: And now, how did they kind of bring you on board for that book, and how was it kind of pitched to you, and what about it? He
1: asked He asked for me. Really? He contacted Axel and asked for me. Wow. Axel contacted me. Are you around to do this thing? I said, totally. Yep.
0: What was it and about I didn't, it? Have, I
1: didn't know what it was about. Oh, no? No. I had a general idea, but I, I really didn't know. It was very vague. But once I got that script, man, I was off to the race with that thing. That uh, really that was that was really like it was powerful, man. I mean, this kid, you know, this tormented kid. But I do remember, um, um, Mike, what's that? Theodato, what, yeah. Who I remember his, him working on. I, I remember those issues that he worked on. Seeing those, I think I actually bought a, a couple of those those issues. So I I, I do know from the, from that. Where this character came from. So when I when that was handed to me, you know, I was off the races with that thing. It was because of the storyline. Right? Storyline was just fantastic. I thought it was great.
0: Well, it's interesting reading it as well because I mean, you can kind of tell that um, you, you're kind of picking up from the visual cues that Diodato had set up in the, his Thunderbolts book because your rendition of Norman Osborn is Tommy Lee Jones, just like his was.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's no, very true. No, I've always really enjoyed that book. So yeah, I was just curious, you know, how you kind of came to to do it. And it is a, a powerful story. A lot of people don't like the character of Penance, but I always thought that was kind of the best thing that was ever done with that iteration of the character.
1: Yeah, there was like um, redemption. Mm-hmm. There was, which was important. A lot of writers can't nail that. I don't know. They're, they're all over the map, and, you know. There's, it's hard to. Uh, well, I don't even want to go with that Don't get me started. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, another bef- time. Another before, time. before we close off, so who who did it first, now that you've had a little bit of time to rack your brain, who brought who under James Bond? Was it you or Doug? Who came first?
1: No, that was Doug. It, in think, Doug's department. Yeah? Doug got got the word, Doug call, contacted me and, and with the good news. Okay. Yeah. But it was Glidrose, apparently, I think back in... A, who had who had the who had the, uh, the rights? Okay, and still does. Interesting. Yeah, but I tell you what, you should uh, contact Doug sometime. If you ever want to, if you need his phone number, I can give it to
0: you. Okay, actually, you know, I uh, he actually we've been in contact. Um, I know. Are when, you going to
1: interview him so shortly?
0: I'm. I, I'm going to try. The problem is that he gave me kind of a, a time times, I can give him a call, and unfortunately, my day job kind of gets in the way. Uh, yeah. So I kind of have to wait for a day when my day job uh, gives me a day off so I can actually contact him. So it might be a right. little while, but um, that is the plan. You're in the,
1: t- the same time zone, though, right?
0: Yeah, we're both Eastern, but uh, he, t- yeah, yeah. he told me to call within, between, I think, like 1 and 4 or something, and I just happened to be working at my day job at that point. Gotcha. But uh, right. the the plan is, at some point, I, would, uh, I really hope to have him on the show so I can uh, talk to him as well.
1: There you go. We just did a podcast um, on Slash Maraud.
0: Okay. I
1: didn't know that. A couple of weeks ago from, from Canadian, another Canadian crew.
0: Wow. I, I, it was a live
1: thing.
0: Oh, wow. Live yeah. live is a whole other beast.
1: Dude, I... <laughs> this thing tonight with me, forget about
0: it. We have
1: to edit <laughs> the shit out of that.
0: No, no, this, this was good. This was solid. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, same here. It's been a pleasure, man.
0: All right. You have a good evening.
1: You as well. Take care of
0: yourself. All right.
1: Bye-bye. Bye.